in general, I have one of the greatest tennis players to step foot on a tennis court. You don't know him. You're around the same age as me. Your mama should know him. <laughs> your auntie, grandma, your sister, your aunt's sister, your cousin. I'm talking about newcomer of the year in 1982. A woman's three-time mixed double champion, women's double gold medalist, and a single bronze medalist at the 1988 Olympic Games. 1990 Wimbledon runner-up. She resides in Houston, Texas. I'm talking about Zena Garrison. Zena, how you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you. I want to ask you this. You have an academy coming up called yeah. the Zena Garrison Academy, and it's every year. Yeah, actually, I've had the academy now for 26 years. Mm-hmm which is actually pretty interesting within itself because most of the time when an athlete retires, normally the foundation goes with it. But I've still been around for for 26 years, and we're at McGregor Park um, at the Home of Ford Tennis Center Mm -hmm. giving kids the opportunity to play tennis for free. Um, And so right now, school years, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, we have beginners out, you know, from ages 4 to 17, so... Uh, it's really cool, and then we have an advanced program that comes out every day. How big? How big is the the arena out here for tennis players in Houston? It's like a big market, and do you see like a lot of tennis players in Houston? No, not really. Like you know, there was a time when there were more that were playing, um, and it's kind of interesting. You would think because you know Venus and Serena has done so much for the game, mm-hmm. but it's it's a lot of people. Still think that it's a very rich sport, which it is, mm-hmm. but there's so many more ways you can get involved in it. Do you think you would? Be, so you would have thought basically if Serena and Venus were like the mainstream tennis players, you thought that would have helped players to come out well, of the shell to play it, tennis. Yeah, well, just more than anything is that they broke the barriers for so many. To for when I was coming up, it's just you can only you can only play tennis. Yeah. You know, so they start doing more things and outside, which means that you get more people involved. Uh-huh. And um, so they they brought a lot of people into tennis would have never even thought about looking at a tennis match. Yeah. And when you played tennis, did you always love the game even when you was younger? I always had a love hate for it. And people always look at me like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I always had a love hate for it because I came along after Althea Gibson and Arthur Ashe and. Mm-hmm. It was still a lot. Uh, the sport was still very prejudiced, and there was a lot of racism. Yeah. So for for me, you know, they broke the barriers down for me. But then there was still some some that were still out there that I broke. And then the next ge- generation, like Chanda Rubin and then Venus and Serena, mm-hmm. you know, we all kept knocking them down. So, yeah. and I remember you told me this before we started recording. You was in the era of like Martina and Celis. And it was one more. Martinez, Celis, Steffi Graf. Steffi Graf. Yeah. So, have you, have you ever played against those three? <laughs> I've played against them all. Countless times. <laughs> yeah. And actually, this weekend, we're, we're having a, a major event, and Martina Navtilova actually is coming really? to the event, uh, Eat, Love, and Play, that we're going to have this weekend. And um, it's a really interesting event anyway uh-huh. because it's in the homes of a lot of wealthy uh, Houstonians that have tennis courts in their backyard. And so it'll just, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of eating. Mm-hmm. We'll also have some celebrity chefs mm-hmm. that will be there. And it's just, you know, and a fashion show as well. So, oh, wow. 
Yeah, so it's just kind of merging all of it together. And it's this weekend. It's this weekend. Where, uh, where is it at? It's actually in, like I said, three different homes. Okay. So, um, but you can go on to support uh, zga.org and get a lot more information. And when you play tennis, let's just go back down memory. Let's go back. We gotta go way back with me. Let's go thirty-five. Nineteen eighty-two, when you first came into the game of tennis, how was that year? Well, actually, for me, I literally left. um, I literally, I did go to my prom. Mm -hmm. I didn't go my graduation. Well, it was cool because you know, for me, being a a tennis player and just kind of out there, and you know, still kind of sheltered, you know, gave me an opportunity to to be normal, pretty much. I left there, and literally the next week I was on the court of the French Open. Wow. I was playing. I was the number one junior in the world already. So then I was playing Martina Navratilova in the quarterfinals of the French Open. So a lot of things happened to me, and I went, you know, I think it was only Serena's the only one since me, but I came on the computer like 27, 26. Serena came on, I think, like 24. And that's like. It's really hard to do. <laughs> yeah. How long, how far did you go in the, in the French Open? Um, well, the first year, the quarterfinals. Uh-huh. It was never my one of my great, one of my favorite tournaments. So I was uh, always making yeah. it to Wimbledon, you know. Clay was a little slow for me. Yeah, uh, they, still, you, they still use the clay right now. They still use it, and it's still very slow. Yeah. And um, I was always looking forward to, you know, a couple of weeks later, you're on the grass, and yeah. just it's a lot faster, so... How, what's the difference between, you know, the clay and the grass? How would you rank as far as, like, the easiest to play on? Like, well, it really depends on – it really depends on your preference uh-huh. and your style of game. Um, back in the old days, we used to do a lot of serving and volleying or come to the net a lot more. The the young girls now are the girls now, and uh, they pretty much stay in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. And stay in the bait, you know, and just hit as hard as they can. Yeah. So the, the times have kind of changed. And also with that, they start changing the courts mm-hmm. as well. So they, there's different systems in place to make the courts slower or faster, yeah. you know, for TV purposes. As well as the grass, they change the seed of the grass. And then we fast forward to 1988. And could you say that's, that was your best year because you went to the Olympics well, I would say it was, it was one of my best awards. I mean, for me, I, I won a gold medal with Pam Shriver, who totally in a different, like, economical base and the way we grew up was totally opposite. Yeah. And we went on and won, a, you know, the first gold medal since they put tennis back into the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So it was just really cool. And then I ended up winning a bronze in singles. So. Can you, and do you prefer, would you prefer a mix? Uh, team, well, mixed. I'm real mixed moody. <laughs> I'm real moody. So sometimes it's it like, on the chemistry yeah. Person as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you definitely, when you're playing doubles, you definitely have to have your chemistry together. But it also, it just, you know, some people are more aftable. They want somebody to be on the court with them. Like it didn't matter to me. Yeah. Like I prefer to be out there by myself and to control what I can control. Who's your favorite teammate? Um, Probably, I only had five in my career, which is kind of hard. It's, is that a lot? That's not a lot at all. Okay, you see sometimes you Venus know. and Serena only played with Venus and Serena yeah. when you played doubles. So, yeah. um, I would say 
all five of them in different ways. I learned a lot, but just having that gold medal with Pam was something really special. If you had to pick any tennis player to team up with, male or female, any era, right, right now, or any uh, era, dead or alive, anyone, um, for the women, the gold medal, well, for championship, I would pick Martina. Martina, yeah. Hmm. Why is that? She, the longevity she had in the game, uh, her volleys are amazing. Um, and she was one of the best doubles players of all time. Or is it that because I got this, this uh, event coming up this weekend? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, she beat me 35 times and I only won one, so no. Oh, God. Oh. So no, but it's just, it's, you know, I... It's always tough for me because when people say, oh, are you going to put, you know, when they say, is, is Martina better? Or is is um, Serena better? And it's like different eras and it's different games. So, but. Yeah, you can't rank if Serena. Because people right now would say Serena's the best all time in women. She's, she's, you know, I would say after two years ago, I would say kind of head to head with Steffi and Martina, but mm-hmm. she's by far past them. Because she had that, um, I think it was last year, the year before, she could have won all the grands. She could have yeah, won the grand slam. I was at that match. Uh, again. Ah, which one was the U.S.? U.S. Okay. Yeah. People blame Drake for the, uh, because she was hanging out with Drake. I blamed him too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm on the kitty. I'm on the kitty. I like my mom's a saint. I swear to God, my mom says <laughs> it was Drake's fault that Serena did not win the grand slam. <laughs> and my grandma said the same thing. She called my mom like, Baby, you heard? You, you believe in Drake? That boy Drake ruined Serena. Williams. Well, well Williams you have to blame. You have to blame it on somebody. You know, yeah. it couldn't be. But more than anything, I mean, if you've ever played the game or the pressure, the pressure, you were just hoping that it didn't hit when it did. Right. And that was my, you know, I've been Serena's mentor since she's been in the league. I've known them since they were seven and eight. Yeah. So for me, it's like I was just hoping that the pressure didn't overwhelm her. Mm. And it hit, and she's human. Oh, yeah, that was, that was bad. I thought she was going to coast through that. that no, tennis. never coast in tennis. <laughs> oh, goodness. And people don't realize how, how hard tennis is. Yeah. You know, I used to play tennis at one point, too. Oh, wow. You know, I was a good tennis player. I stopped myself. I, I like the way you said you were a good tennis player. Yeah, I stopped now, myself. what I, determined that you thought you were a good tennis you player? Know, I, I, you know, I, I didn't tell you this earlier. I was, I could have been great, but uh, you know, I stopped myself. I got into you know basketball. They didn't want me to play tennis no more. They said, "Kid, you serve too hard. Why are you still playing?" I said, "You know, I'm gonna stop." <laughs> I don't want them to come me and try to you know, allegations and all. And I was like, you know, I, my service was uh, I was in a- high school. I hit like around. I was I almost touched ninety five. So okay, I'm gonna stop you right there. That's not very hard in tennis. In high school. You know, no. I was, I'm talking about as a freshman, like eighth grade, going to first, to high school. Oh well, maybe, maybe yeah, there, but, but it's still I, you should have been breaking a hundred. I broke a hundred six months after. <laughs> okay, okay. I broke, I broke <laughs> six months after, and they they was like, you and I was quick. I was going choose left and right zigzag because it's hard to have your agility, the foot, the footwork. And most yeah. people don't realize how tough it is um, that. And you think that you're watching on on television, and it's just like you go out and you take this racket and you get, keep the ball over. But oh, no, it's uh, and it's just like golf. But the only difference is you have someone going against you, mm-hmm. and so that ball's coming, you're hitting it over, and it's coming back, and hitting it over, it's coming back. So golf, I think golf and tennis is the two of the most hardest sports. Well, I mean, as far as like 
Because football is hard too because you got to play quarterback and you got to get hit and all these things. But tennis and golf, when I played golf, when I was my dad, I never got the jogging range. No. I, I couldn't get to the real golf course. Most tennis players, it's pretty easy for them to make the transition. So it was pretty easy for me to make the transition. To... And it's like you can't take no days off with, with tennis. Mm, not really. I mean, I as I grew up, the older I got, I started taking, you know, just chilling on Sundays. Any inspirations growing up? Um, my inspiration always was to be the best that I could possibly be. You know, mm-hmm. my mom literally preached that to me from as far as I can remember. Yeah. Um, just to be the best that you can possibly be. You know, no matter what it was, our saying in our house was like, if you if you're a janitor, you know, or a housekeeper, or whatever, or a lawyer, or whatever, strive to be the best. And right now, can you say you have a favorite tennis player besides Serena? Besides Serena, who's your favorite tennis player right now? Um, well, Serena is one of my favorites. She's not mm-hmm. my, my ultimate favorite. Is Roger Federer. He's good, yeah. Him, the dog. Any uh, up and coming players? I'm still struggling with it. I haven't seen him yet. You no, know, everybody's well, but I'm a little biased because it's it's tough for me because I kind of know what to look, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the younger people now, right now, they. They're just kind of getting stuck in. They make so much money. Yeah. It's like, and then the fame, and then you guys have all the social media. It's just a whole different way of life now. Yeah, because I know when Serena, people's going to miss Serena when she's gone. Yeah. And and Venus. You, yeah, exactly. And do you feel that there's somebody else coming up on a, they could be in middle school right now, high school that you're seeing right now, that could be the next Great. Well, to be honest with you, I've kind of checked out of tennis a little bit (laughs) just because it's a little boring to me at times. So um, it's, yeah, I checked out for a moment. But I do that. You know, it's nothing unusual. And then the summer comes and I'm like click back in. So, And in 1990, you you played in the women and you was in the championship. Yeah. Who was it against? Martina. Martina. (laughs) Oh, man. How was that? Was that? Your first, that was your first. Well, well, for me, it was um, in the let's see, in the quarterfinals, I beat Monica Sellers, who had had was on a winning streak of thirty seven matches, and she hadn't lost. Mm-hmm. So I beat uh, beat Monica in, in uh, the quarters, and then I had to play Steffi Graf, mm-hmm. who also had a streak going, and she was also the number one player in the world. Mm-hmm. And I beat Monica and Steffi. And then I was to go against Martina Navratilova, and so I was I was great. I even wore Martina's clothes up yeah. until the finals, and then the finals I got a contract with Reebok. Yeah. And um, it's when Althea Gibson, which is the first African American tennis player to win Wimbledon, when she walked into the locker room, then all my nerves hit, <laughs> and I never really recovered. <laughs> Wow. True story. <laughs> so she never walked into the locker room. <laughs> no. I, I, who knows? Maybe I would have had a Wimbledon championship. Who was your seed at the time? Or um, I don't actually remember. I know I was in the top 10, mm-hmm. but I don't exactly remember. And Arthur Ashe was there. And, you know, I have a famous picture that, you know, that's dear to my heart where Arthur Ashe and Althea Gibson and I'm in the middle. You know, it's like you can't get any better. How was your first time? How was that experience meeting Arthur Ashe for the first time? Well, actually, I met Arthur um, when I was 17 Mm -hmm. um, because 
I was trying to decide if I was going to turn pro, if I was going to go to college. Mm -hmm. And so Arthur came down and basically convinced me. I was already the number one junior in the world. And he was like, you know, you've played everyone, so why not try for the pros? And so I took a couple of weeks off and decided to go pro. My mom wasn't happy. <laughs> oh, she wasn't happy for you to go pro? Well, no. Well, fresh out of high school. Well, yeah. I mean, and back in that day, you know, have an opportunity to go to college. And it's like. And you never took the opportunity to go to uh, college at all? Um, I did, right, when then. But I chose to go pro instead. Well, is it. I can ask you this. Is it the transition to come from high school? Is it better to go from high school to pro in tennis or high school, college, than pro? Well, right now they've changed a lot of laws, mm -hmm. a lot of the rules. Venus and uh, a girl by the name of Kornikova are the last two that came in at 14. Mm -hmm. Serena, I think, came in at 16. Mm -hmm. And they made it a lot tougher just to come out of high school. And the reason why they did is they had a lot of kids with burnout. Mm -hmm. And just the lifestyle was very difficult. Um, because you have so many people around you and it's like, you're still not mentally ready sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think it's better this way because you, you know, you have to mature as a person mm -hmm. and you, you can't just like go in and make all that money and then, you know, yeah. make it difficult. And, you know, Jennifer Capriati was like the youngest at 14 and making millions. It's a lot. It's a lot. And how you well have you followed the college how you follow college basketball as a late as far as like the news that's going on with the NCAA's getting almost exposed with the coaches paying high school athletes to go to their colleges and all of that. What's what's different than normal? I know, right? <laughs> it's like it's just like you said, just being exposed. Yeah. I mean, they've been doing that for years and they're just not getting caught. <clears throat> I've always been the one on the on the end that I feel that athletes bring money into the school mm -hmm. and that they should have an account mm -hmm. for them for when they leave yeah. or some incentive and you shouldn't just play or, you know, you take a chance to mess up your knee and it's like, okay, you're out of there. Yeah. You know, I've always been like, you should put each and every one of them along with their scholarship should have an account for for them when they finish. Yeah, because Stan Van Gundy, the coach for the Detroit Pistons, came out a couple of days ago saying that it's racist for yeah, I heard about, about the basketball because you have baseball, you can go from high school to the pro. Hockey, you can do the same. But then you got basketball who is, who is predominantly black. They telling you to go to college <coughs> first before you can go to pro because you've seen some of the greatest athletes in basketball, LeBron James, Barnett, KG, Kobe, Dwight Howard, came straight from high but school. But I, I grew up just not too long from that era when they were coming out at 19 and 18. Mm -hmm. And the money definitely is different now. Yeah. And so, you know, it is something to the fact of, it is something to the fact of knowing that you have that one year of responsibility under you. Yeah. But I do get why go to college when you know you're just going to come out the exactly. next year. <laughs> it's just for money. It's just money yeah. and ratings. And you, know, you got the tournament as well. It's yeah. Tournament. They need to, these networks need to make their money. So I understand why coaches and players are mad. I will be too. I'm like, I'm only going to be here for like one year. And yeah. you got hockey and baseball players going out from high school to the pros. Yeah. And actually, I was thinking about this today. <clears throat> it's just giving my age away. But 
I remember when Nike became Nike. Mm-hmm. I remember when Gatorade became Gatorade. Right. And it's like to to live in the era where all these things were were made. I you know, or you had a Moses Malone, you know, making one of the first biggest checks. I mean, yeah. it's like living in that era when you see things have changed and um, or even one that's even bigger and it's more like to my heart now is I love the fact that we have someone like LeBron James that speaks out. Mm-hmm. You know, in the era that I grew up in, you couldn't speak out. You know, because it's like, oh, you're going to lose your endorsements. You can't say anything. You got to sit back and you got to hold your tongue. You know, I love these young guys, you know, are are taking a stance. Yeah. And that's that's how it is for NFL, too. It's like the NFL's got the players so control, but I appreciate, and I know you can too, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. But you've seen the repercussion. He lost his job. You know, the NBA can't afford to lose on LeBron James. You're going to tell LeBron James to, uh, nay, you're going to, you can't play no more in the NBA. You know, they're making money off him. Exactly. <laughs> they ain't about to tell and him nothing. The owners are different too. The owners in, in the field. Well, the owners are different, but the biggest thing is that he is a world franchise. Yeah. Not just national, not mm-hmm. just, you know, Cleveland. He's a world, world franchise. So they're not going to touch them. Or Kabanaki. Uh, it's, it's the great thing about him is. They don't need to give him the respect because he's getting the respect anyway. Yeah. And I always felt that the it's a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that him, and I can't think of the other guy that's kneeled with them that doesn't get as much press. But, oh, with Kaepernick, uh, Eric Reed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Love that little young guy. But the fact is that they never swayed from what the initial reason why they kneeled. But everybody else tried to, to yeah. sway from it. Yeah. <laughs> And I had on a Texas player last show, and we talked about the protest. He was a rookie, and he was saying that I'm, I'm a rookie. I'm not gonna. I don't want to lose my job. You know, yeah. I understand where I'm coming from a thousand percent. But with what Bob McNair said, he said he needs. Him. You know, he needs Bob McNair. He's a rookie. He can't lose that. He can't lose that job because you still want to play the, the sport that you love to play. Yeah. And why risk it as a rookie? He's and that particular person is would be more in the area of where I grew up in, which I understand yeah. because you weren't allowed to, mm-hmm. you know, or you couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you had some. You had always had like, um, you know, Jim Brown or some that what. Yeah, but the bottom line is the great thing about right now is there's a whole like there's whole group of them Mm -hmm. and you know like what's going on right now with these kids and the shootings Mm -hmm. and i was gonna get to that too and parkland yeah nobody has said anything that at all about the fact is that school's predominantly jewish Mm. they're not about to forget nothing (laughs) not at all Anybody noticed, or, and I get very passionate about this, but mm-hmm. anybody noticed that they never asked for no money to start? Can we get a GoFundMe account so we can get some buses to go out there? They put their funds together, and they did what they need to do. People fell in line later. Yeah. But nobody's saying that. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, those kids have the resources, mm-hmm. and they also have 
you know, from the Jewish community, you now have a whole understanding of suffering. Right. They're not quitting. <laughs> They're not. Not at all. They're not quitting. Nope. And I, I feel bad, too. Because I had a show up here two shows ago, and I, I was telling her, I was like, you know, you see all these shootings that happens, and it's the same exact story. Depression, being bullied. So I'm going to go get these Call of Duty weapons, these high-tech weapons that I can't afford in these small cities, and I'm going to shoot up a school or a theater. And to me, with the, with the same, I'm thinking to myself, this could be some type of, I'm a conspiracy guy. <laughs> I'm a conspiracy guy. I get it from my dad. And I'm, I, I, would, I, don't, I don't like listening to the news all the time. So I'll be like, hold on, let me do my research. So at first, I was like, this is some type of conspiracy or hoax with the Florida shooting. Because some of I believe... <laughs> Which is fake, you know what I'm saying? I just, I just believe, like, come on, man, this, I don't believe this at all. But now I see the pro, I see what the kids are going. <clears throat> okay, this is, I was wrong on this one. Well, look, we just, I was just listening to the news before I came over here. Mm-hmm. Our president wants to put more guns in schools. Mm-hmm. He wants to arm teachers. Yeah, a teacher today kills him. He lost his mind. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you, how you feel about teachers carrying guns now to school? Oh, absolutely not. No. I mean, just for what just happened. The teachers are under more stress than most people around here. Yeah. They have our kids that they have to protect. They have to teach. And now they have to, you know, now you're asking them to carry guns? What's teachers going to do? Why just can't, I don't understand why they just can't get, like, security at schools now. You had security. The man went the other way. Oh, you had turned out. <clears throat> turns out there was four that never went in. Would you go in when you know the difference of a machine gun and a regular gun? Would you run into a building? Nope. I'm black. You know I'm running. Up, Even bro. though the president said he would run into a building. Oh yeah. Well, I would like to see what building see that, that is. I want to see what he's gonna do. He has. Has he ever spoke out about it? He didn't get like. Oh no, he's been speaking out lately. So he's actually was it powerful or was it Trumpish? Um, I think he's getting backed into a corner. Like today, he basically said that he's kind of going against the NRA, mm-hmm. but the Republicans are unhappy. But tomorrow, all of the change. So I have to give credit to those kids. Oh no, I, I'm I'm just those kids uh, beyond on CNN. Stepping up to the the, lead, the uh, lady that works for NRA, yeah, and you had all that rally. That's worldwide. That's 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 huge. But once again, they're living in a time mm-hmm. where they understand. And we're going to go back to the athletes. Yeah, the athletes like LeBron and and um, Chris Paul and all of them. This is the area that those kids see. You have the era of the phone. They're not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. So they're stepping out. And once again, go back to the funds. They don't have to be afraid. The guy that killed those kids in that school was getting ready to inherit $800,000. Wow. Did not know that. He lived in a pretty wealthy neighborhood. Most of those kids live in a wealthy neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> and I was gonna say, I was gonna ask you this too, with with people being bold and not in our 
generation. How do you view the how do you view our generation to compare to your generation? Um <clears throat> I'm not saying it's in a negative way. Uh-huh. It's it's just um, because of the computers and because of everything so fast, um, sometimes you guys want instant gratification mm-hmm. without earning it. Yeah. So, But the era I grew up in, you work hard, yeah. you do this, and then things come. Yeah. And it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But I think... This particular generation right now, it's starting to put and form all of that together. It's like a microwave era. Yeah. We want to think. And I, I, I appreciate my, my parents, too, because I could relate to them. And they all, I always learned that, you know, you got to you gotta earn what you want to get. Mm-hmm. You know, I, gotta, I don't – it's, it's, for example, like a person that interns somewhere. Two months down the line, they get bored and they quit because they're not getting, they're not getting the <laughs> the results they want at that time. Like you still in school, you still interning. You you're not gonna get the pep, the salary right yeah. away. You just got there, you know. And I learned coming from my families that it's gonna take time. I've been interning for five, four or five years. I don't get no type of salary. Not ask for nothing because I know at the end of it. But you're de- you know you're developing your craft. Yeah. Um, and someone like me, I'm I'm very lucky that I was the number one junior in the world. You know, because I had great mentors. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't know this guy, but a guy by the name of Dr. Reverend Skinner he passed away. But mm-hmm. when the Redskins were doing well, he was the one that motivated them. You know, Barry Gordy. Mm-hmm. You know, with Motown. Motown yep. You know, was a huge mentor. <clears throat> Maya Angelo was a huge mentor. All those people always told me longevity. Not it's not instant gratification. You develop your craft. And so and that's sometimes that's the difficult part right now with reality TV because you have fifteen minutes of fame and you feel like you're the best. <laughs> I hate reality TV. I can't even lie to it. I don't watch TV. I hate it. Well, but then there's but then there's some people that have turned it around. Like, you know, I'm I love me some Nene Leaks. Yeah. She has developed and has taken it to another step. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's just basically what I'm saying is finding your niche. Yeah. So how you feel about the whole Monique situation and, and uh she's speaking out on Netflix and <laughs> Hollywood thing? I don't, I don't. Follow. Well, okay, basically yeah. she's speaking, okay, she's speaking on the inequality of a black woman in Hollywood. I don't, and, I don't, I don't know enough about it. Oh, okay. So I'm just not one some, you know. Okay. I know she's a Grammy Award winner. Yeah. And so I know she has an opinion. That's all I know. Yeah. Okay, so. I'm going to ask you as an athlete then, have you faced a lot of, a lot of adversity being a, a black female athlete? Oh yeah, it's it's. I mean, if you Google me, you'll know that I went up against the USTA mm-hmm. um, for just basically discrimination for the young kids that were coming behind me. But I haven't had a lot, lot like where it like stunned me. Mm-hmm. But I did have some that made me aware that you know I'm still black. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna ask you this to end this off. What's next for you and uh, ZGA? Um, the big weekend, mm-hmm. and so we'll go back over because we're going to have some great things. And um, 
They will have the fashion show. We'll have the tennis tournament. We still have some uh, capabilities to buy some tennis, some tickets for this weekend for the fashion show. Mm -hmm. And um, the one part I'm really excited about is the fashion show. Um, the, um, The Art Institute, there will be three uh, designers from the Art Institute that have five very um, prominent, um, des- not designers, but prominent people in the fashion world that would judge their designs, with which my kids from GTA will be wearing along with celebrities. Yeah. And so it's going to be a really cool event. And how can listeners and viewers support the students of SGA? Um, ZGA. Oh, yeah, SNZ mixed up for some reason. I say SGA because it's school student government association. Support ZGA.org for the event is uh, one way right now. And then overall, during the year, ZenaGarrison.org. Well, I want to thank you for coming in. Thank you. And keep keep going. Just because you don't have it right at this moment, don't mean that it's not around the corner. Oh, no, it's coming. I always tell myself 25. I'm going to be the best in the city. 30 going to be the best in the nation. 35 the best in the world. That's my mentality. Hey, I like that. And guess what? We are out.